0: Thank you, Marilyn. I was uh, snooping around the other day and I found out that Wikipedia had done a rating of the most influential people in history of the world. And at the top of the list, they put Jesus. Um, And then a few years ago, someone who's on Google's staff in charge of ranking things uh, teamed up with a uh, computer professor at uh, Stony Brook University, and they came up with a similar list of the biggest people in history, and at the top of the list was Jesus. And then uh, a group from MIT did something similar and tried to come up with a list using their, uh, you know, computer data algorithms and all to come up with a list of the most influential people in history. Jesus came in third at MIT, uh, behind Aristotle and Plato, and yet I was thinking, how many people do you know who can quote Aristotle and Plato? And, and then, but today, uh, you hear you know, so many people who quote Jesus often without realizing they're doing it. When you hear uh, someone's called, yeah, he's a salt of the earth kind of guy, they're quoting Jesus. When you hear that, boy, she really went the second mile. It's a quote from Jesus. Uh, when a business claims to live by the golden rule, referring to a quote from Jesus. Uh, when someone asks you if, you're, if they're really supposed to turn the other cheek, where did that come from? Came from Jesus. When someone says, "Do not judge," who are they quoting? Jesus. And when you respond to a doubtful person and say, "Oh, you have little faith." <laughs> It comes from Jesus. And all of these quotes that I've mentioned here this morning are found in three chapters in Matthew's gospel that we call the Sermon on the Mount. Years ago, Jesus reached out to a frustrated, angry 16-year-old, and I came to believe that what Jesus offered me was better than what I could do on my own, so I gave my life to him. And right away, I felt this hunger inside of me. Who is this person I've just given my life to? What did he say? What did he do? What does he want? And so I I, I grabbed an easy reading translation, and I started reading through the Gospels, finding out who is this Jesus. Now, if you're here today, you're not at the point where you, you know, Walk with Jesus. You know him on a personal level. I think that's okay. I'm, 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 I'm thrilled you're here. Uh, maybe you're here because you're curious. Curiosity is a great thing. When you have spiritual curiosity, I think it's a sign that God is at work in your life. And so I would invite you, join us. Come, come and learn with us. This fall, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, today, we're going to finish up Matthew chapter 6. Next three weeks, we're going to go through Matthew chapter 7. And uh, if you want to watch any of the previous messages in this series, you can always do that. You can find them on our Facebook page, um, on the Faith Westwood app, on our website, or you can listen on, our, on the podcast Uh, one little thing I need to add here this morning is that in the previous eight weeks in this series uh, we've been watching these little videos some of you remember these videos from Austin and Jarrell well Austin called me last night and he said we're just not going to be able to finish the video this week Austin is really sick and been to the doctor and so hopefully he'll he'll get better soon but he felt really bad about not being able to to do that for us this week Today we're going to look at the passage uh, that uh, that we heard just a few minutes ago. uh, Marilyn read for us, starting with Matthew uh, six chapter verse nineteen. So grab your Bible, Uh, grab the one you brought or the one in front of you in the rack there. If you're using the pew Bible, it's the top of page nine seventy one, and. Uh, one of the things we love to do here at Faith Westwood is give away Bibles, and it seems like we've been giving away more lately, which I think is so cool. Uh, so, if you don't have a Bible at home that is readable, then just take that pew Bible home. It's not shoplifting; <laughs> you can just have it, and uh, we'll we'll stick another one in after the service. Now, uh, to better understand this passage, I think it's going to help to look back earlier in chapter 6, so kind of flip back to uh, verse 1. Jesus says, be careful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So he's, he's telling us to really watch what our motives are. Uh, Why are we doing it? Are we we trying to impress people or trying to please God? And so then he goes on, he gives three examples. When you give to those in need, will you uh, make a show of it so you can impress your neighbors? Or will you do it in secret to please God? When When you have your daily prayer time, are you going to make a big show of it so everybody thinks think you're super spiritual? Or will you go to your room and shut the door where only your Father in heaven sees? And when you fast, are you going to brag about it to impress everybody? Or will you do it secretly to draw nearer to God? Now, in all these three examples, Jesus says that if you're doing it to impress others, well, then you got what you wanted. You got your reward. uh, So don't look for a reward from your heavenly Father. Showing off to impress people is earthly treasure. Showing off to impress others is earthly treasure. But when we live to please God, that's treasure in heaven. So now I think we're ready to look at, uh, starting in verse 19, we'll look at verse 20 as well. Jesus says, "Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal." Here's what storing up treasures in earth might look, on earth might look like. It looks like a pastor who brags about how fast his church is growing so he can impress everybody. He needs that success to validate himself as a person. Storing up treasure on earth looks like a franchise owner who works hard seven days a week. Her goal is to hit her sales target at any cost so she can earn that exotic company trip and tell her all her friends how great it was. Storing up treasures on earth looks like a couple who who pours everything they've got into building their dream house so they can try to keep up with the lifestyle of the people they see around them. But in the process, they leave very little room in their budget to be generous. Storing up treasure on earth looks like a student who dedicates his life to becoming a star athlete so that uh, hoping that, that the praise he receives will fill the emptiness in his soul. Like I said, storing up treasures on earth is about trying to impress people. We want I mean that's kind of human nature, isn't it? We want people to think that we're good-looking and cool and funny and athletic and smart and talented and Jesus says those are treasures that will not last. I mean, what happens when your your booming business hits an economic speed bump? What happens when you get laid off and the bank forecloses on your dream house? What happens when an injury brings your athletic dreams crashing down? If we're always about impressing people, we'll always come up short. It's never enough. But there is another way. Living to please God creates treasure in heaven, and what God treasures is people. Let's say that together, shall we? Living to please God creates treasure in heaven, and what God treasures is people. There's a a parallel passage in Luke's gospel where Jesus tells one of the biggest and best ways that we can please God. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now, does he mean sell everything you own? Well, to one guy he meant that. But to most of us, I think he just says, S- sell, get, get rid of some of your stuff. You got too much. And, and, and that way you've got more resources to, to bless others. He says, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes and no moth destroys. And then in verse 21, he gives the truth behind the command. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure is your greatest goal in life. Your treasure is what you value most. If your greatest goal is to be popular, that's your treasure if your greatest goal is to have nicer stuff than your friends do that's your treasure if your greatest goal is to be seen as successful that's your treasure that's your idol that's where your heart is but when pleasing God becomes your treasure it fundamentally changes how you look at possessions and money now Verses 22 and 23 that Marilyn read for us, I have to confess to you, those are hard to understand. Did you see them? Kind of perplexing. But Jesus is, I think, giving us a parable about competing treasures. Healthy eyes symbolize trying to please God and live generously. Unhealthy eyes represent seeking to please self and impress others. And then in verse 24, Jesus brings it home. Follow with me if you would. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Now, will you say the last sentence with me in that verse? You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus did not say, don't try to serve both God and money. He says, you can't do it. It's impossible. You can't, it's impossible to serve two masters. If you think you're serving God and your own success, at the same time, you're deluding yourself. When success is your God, your heavenly Father is not. Now, the word translated money here um, is mammonos. Matthew's gospel, like the rest of the New Testament, is written in Greek, but this is an original Aramaic word from Jesus, uh, mammonos. And uh, in some Bibles, it's kind of left semi-untranslated, and they just put the word mammon in there. Uh, And mammon is money, but it's more than that. It's money, possessions. It's success that's purely materialistic. So who's your master? God and mammon? God or money? God or success? Now, If you find yourself saying, whoa, 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 I find myself saying that too. Jesus, wait a minute. How do I know if money and possessions, um, if I have them or if they have me? How do I know who my master is? Well, there's only one way to know. And here it is. When I willingly downsize to bless others, our Heavenly Father notices that's my reward. When I willingly downsize to bless others, our Heavenly Father notices that's my reward. So practice, practicing generosity in a way that downsizes our lifestyle, then that's how you're going to know who your master is. So are we saying that it's wrong to be successful? Are we saying it's wrong to have money? No. I say do your best. Be profitable. Get the best job you can. Have a successful business. Work hard. Apply your talents. But why are you doing it? Ask yourself, why am I doing it? Am I doing it to impress others? Because when you, when you live To please yourself and impress others you're always going to worry you'll always be worrying about whether you're going to have enough you'll always worry about whether it's going to last but when you live trying to please God worry gets replaced with trust when you live to please God worry Gets replaced with trust let's go on to verse 25 yeah, the first word says therefore and one of the the basic rules in uh, Bible under, uh, interpretation is when you see the word therefore you want to find out what it's there for right and so Jesus uh, said okay if God is your master if God is your master therefore I tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear Now Jesus has given us a command don't do that and that's a perfectly fine translation but it could also be translated you don't have to worry if God is your master you don't have to worry you can you can quit worrying about having enough so Jesus has given us a command but I think he's given us more than that he is setting us free Three times in this passage, he says, hey, you don't have to worry. So, all of us worriers, how do we do that? Let's skip down to verse 33. It says, and when you, uh, and, and so, and when you find it, if you, uh, let's all read verse 33 together. This is a, a great verse to memorize, by the way. Let's read verse 33 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So he's saying, make that your aim in your life is to please God. He will reward you. He'll take care of you. Now, let's back up a little bit more. All this talk about, you know, not worrying if you have enough could be really hard if you really don't have enough. I mean. For someone who doesn't have. Enough. I'm not going to say hey. Don't, don't worry. You know one thing I've, I've learned though from. Being on mission trips like. Places to, like Tarasas in Costa Rica. Is that sometimes the people. Who have the least. Are able to trust the most. But I also appreciate Dale Bruner's comment. He notes that Jesus tells us to not worry about ourselves having enough, but he doesn't say we should be unconcerned whether others have enough. We should be concerned. So somebody doesn't have enough, I'm not going to tell them, hey, don't worry. I'm going to say, no, I've got a responsibility to help you. I mean, Jesus is the one who said that when we provide food and water and clothing to those who don't have enough, we're doing it for him. And when we willingly downsize our lifestyle to bless others, our Heavenly Father notices that's our reward. As a lot of you know, we've made some, I think, really important improvements in our building in the last couple of years. Um, We have this new large gathering area for children we didn't used to have. We have a new student ministry room that we didn't used to have. Um, We have a new space for our pantry which is awesome. We have uh, opened up the entrance from the foyer to Fellowship Hall, and did you see how many people were around there today? It was awesome. We've got the new elevator. It gets used every Sunday and during the week as well. And I, I want to thank those of you who gave, and you, you gave deeply to make these things happen, and, and, and some of you, are, you're still continuing your, your giving and your commitment, your pledge that you made toward that. And I just want to say thank you and I want you to know that we're not going to have any more building campaigns for a while. <laughs> you know, we, we did, we had one and then we added a, the, the matching gift thing on the end of that and we did all these things in the building. I believe now is the time to redouble our efforts on why we upgraded this building in the first place. Let's, let's put it to good use. Um, will you turn with me to the back of your bulletin? and I think it's usually there every week, uh, is our five values. These are the things that we believe God has called us to be as a church, that we are to be relational, practical, generational, missional, and invitational. And next year, our priority is going to, become, is going to be on learning to become a more naturally invitational people. And we want to do that. Why? Because people are important to God. People are the treasures of heaven. So, in January, I'm going to start our first series on how we can bless unbelievers. And I've recently had a conversation uh, with an author who has offered to let us field test uh, their new small group guide that would really fit perfectly with this series Um, I've looked through a little bit of it and I forwarded it to Holly Timberlake who's going to preview it for us and give me her response and and so we're going to be looking at at ways that we can be invitational the ways that we can reach out and bless and one of the ways that we want to reach out and bless people outside of our church we've we already started I mean we just came up with the idea a couple weeks ago and already it's been happening and that is that, uh, as Vicky talked about, our Blanketed with Prayer team, uh, when, they, when the idea was pitched to them, they just took to it. And so now, when you have people you're praying for, and you want to, maybe they're sick or hospitalized or had a new baby or maybe they're grieving and you just, you want to bring a gift to them, a blessing, you can take them a prayer blanket. It's got a little blessing card with it, lets them know that we've been praying for, that you know the people making it have been praying, and we dedicate these and we pray for whoever gets them, and you're praying for them too, and so you can you can make that gift, um, and I think especially for somebody who you know, who's not sure where they are with God or what they think about God, or what their faith is, I think this could be a, a beautiful, gesture. And I want you to know that I love this church. I am so honored to be the pastor at Faith Westwood. I love all of you. And I know that God has poured a lot of love into this church. And uh, so I think that God's going to use that love to help us be that kind of invitational people. Uh, we're going to sing a last song here in just a little bit. And uh, I know many of you are, are prepared to, uh, to make your giving commitment for 2018. And, and uh, if you brought the envelope that comes with it too, that's great. If not, you can just fold it up and use one of those mission envelopes. That's fine. But, but we do it that way because, you know, we're not here to, to show off how much who gives. It doesn't really matter. Some of you have already mailed yours in. We got it. That's great. Some of you say, well, I'm not going to be able to this week. I'll, I'll see if I can fill it out next week. Or, I mean, that's fine. Um, we're not keeping track, okay? But what we find is that it's a very powerful thing to say, we're all, this is our church. We're the church family, and we're going to come forward together and uh, be a part of this. So during this last song, any time during this song, just make your way up and you can drop it in one of the baskets that you, that you see up here. And so, to bring this back to what Jesus was saying, my question is, will you willingly downsize your lifestyle to bless others? And when you do, our father in heaven will notice and that will be your reward let's pray oh lord god we thank you so much that you you treasure people and sometimes we don't carry that same value the way you do and so we ask, we ask you to keep teaching us showing us how to do that lord give us the courage to, to take a step of downsizing, to learn what steps we can take so that we can add to the blessings that you want to bring to people in this world. And so, uh, Jesus, we thank you that we get to be a part of Faith Westwood and the vision that you have for us. We pray in, in, in your name, amen.